There's a remarkable true story about a guy called Jack Benny. He, w- he was a, uh, uh, an American comedian and entertainer uh, from last century um, who, as a young man, he, he was at work one day and he, uh, he saw a, a young lady that really, really impressed him and he, he wanted to relate to this young woman. So uh, he didn't have the confidence to go and talk to her. So he went to the florist and uh, arranged to get uh, just a single red rose sent to her for a few days, and so, so uh, she started receiving these red roses, just a single rose with no message attached to it at all. Uh, and it came. This went on for a few days, and eventually she said, "What am I going to do here?" So she went to the florist and said, "Who who is sending this to me?" And he said, "Oh, look, some guy called Jack Benny from 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 your work." So she said, "I think I know that guy." So she went there and she said to him, "Well, what what's with the flowers?" You know. He said, well, I, I didn't have the confidence to ask you out, but I'd like to t- ask you out. So they had a date, went out, and, and then there was, uh, you know, there was another, another date. Other dates came after that, and, and still the flowers kept coming. And so you know, eventually, eventually they got engaged, and she thought, well, you know, well, surely the flowers will stop coming now. But the flowers kept coming, one single red rose every day. And uh, so that was good. And, and, then, and then eventually... They got married, and she thought to herself, well, the flowers will stop coming now. But, uh, but they kept coming. Even on their honeymoon, uh, uh, the flower, there was a single rose arrived for her every day uh, that, that kept coming. And so, in fact, all through their married life, every day of their married life, a single red rose arrived for her from the florist. And so, but you know, eventually, after many years, Jack Benny passed away. And she thought to herself, well, I can't keep getting these roses now. He's, he's gone. But the very next day, a single red rose arrived for her. And she thought, this is, this is not, you know, I don't know what's happening here. So she went to the florist and said, look, uh, you wouldn't have heard, but my husband passed away this week. And, uh, uh, and he said, well, uh, Mrs. Benny, you don't understand, but... Jack made all the arrangements before he died, and uh, you're going to receive a single rose. <laughs> Every day until you die. And she did. It was a, remar- a remarkable thing. And, uh, uh, you know, friend, that's devotion. That's what you call devotion. That's giving attention to someone who's the object of your affection. And uh, I didn't make that story up, by the way. It's, um, it, it really happened. All the, all the fact checkers are busily going through their phones right now to check see if that really is true. But, but it's true. It's true. That, that really did happen. That is, that's giving attention to something that you really believe in, um, that you love. And so uh, I'm sorry for all the men here that I've raised the bar to an impossible level for you. Uh, but I just have to apologize for that. But that, that's a fact. So today, what I'd like to continue on, we've begun a series about things that matter. And this morning, I'd like to talk about worship because worship is giving your devotion, your attention to God. And I believe that really matters. In fact, here at Livestream as a church, we want to be a worshiping church. Uh, we, we want to give our attention to God. We want to be people who understand about worship because God is looking for worshipers. The Bible says that quite clearly. In a moment, we're going to read from John chapter 4. 
about worship, and Jesus was talking about this. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know much about marketing, but uh, I, I was thinking about this, and probably the first rule of marketing is figure out what your customer wants. Um, and I think that probably is the first rule of marketing. And so, you know, if there's anything we can give to God, it's a remarkable thing because just about everything else flows from God to us. We are the recipients of everything that God has for us. He has poured out so much upon your life already, if we would only accept and realize that. But worship is one thing that we can give to Him, and the Bible says that He's out there looking for that, for worshipers. Let's read it. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for, worshipers. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. Now, I just love that and that translation because what it's saying is that when we understand worship and we come to enter into a worship before God, uh, we don't need to be like anyone else. There's no room for pretense. There's no room for, you know, uh, feeling that we need to be like someone else or or we need to impress someone or anything like that. So, you know, if you find that you're coming to church and, and you're, you're standing there and, you know, you want to raise your hands or, and you find yourself looking around and say, oh, what, what are they doing? Or, or, you know, I need to be like that. You, you don't. You don't need to be like anyone else. Just simply and honestly yourself, it says themselves before Him. That's what God is out looking for. People with, who worship out of an honesty and an authentic heart. That's what he's really looking for. So I want to share with you this morning some of the foundations of worship and what it's really all about. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, and read this because it's a, a passage about uh, some of the, the basics of worship. You're coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people but was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. What's more, you are His holy priests. And through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. What's He talking about? He's talking about worship. Um, As the Scripture says, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor and anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. So a number of things I want to share with you this morning, folks. Number one, God is building something. God is, and, and you can, we, we know that God is building, for example, the church. He's building, that's, that's, that's true. Um, but He's also building a, a house or a place of worship. And so that's, that's not quite the same. It's, it's similar, but... Uh, and, and obviously, when we come together, it's one of the things that we do, one of the things we really believe in. But um, God is building the church, a, a, a place of worship. In Psalm 22, I love this verse, and I've often quoted it over, over many years. It says, Still you are holy, or you, God, are holy. You make your home on the praises of Israel, or some translations say, you inhabit the praises of Israel, or you, you dwell in the praises of Israel. And that word, when you study it in the original language, it means to, to settle down, to make your home there. Uh, there's a permanence about it. So what it's really saying is that God wants to come and permanently dwell 
in the praises of His people. So when people start worshiping God and praising Him out of an open and a true heart and a real and a genuineness in their spirit, God says, "I like that. That's where I want to be. Not just to come and visit. I want that's I want I want that sort of environment permanently." Let's just think for a moment about the Apostle Paul. Paul and Silas, they're at Philippi. They're in prison. Their backs are bleeding. They've been whipped and beaten. They're in the stocks in the innermost prison. And it says that midnight, they prayed and they sang praises to God. And it says that the other prisoners were hearing them. It wasn't just quiet. It was loud. And so then it says that there was this incredible great earthquake. And God said, I like what's going on down there. That's, that's where I want to be. And the prison doors flew open and their chains flew off. In fact, all the prisoners' chains flew off. And there was incredible, everyone was set free because of that presence of God that came into that place. So, uh, you know, friends, God wants to live in, He wants to inhabit and dwell in our praises. So that's why we praise God. And there's nothing unusual about that. In, in a moment, we're going to talk about a bit more detail about that, about how we, we sing and so on. But, um, you know, God has always been looking for that kind of environment. You can go back into the Old Testament and read about the, the tabernacle or the tent of Moses that Moses built under God's clear instructions. And then later on, Solomon built this great majestic temple. And then into the New Testament, it says that now that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So apart from there were those physical temples, but God's ultimate plan was to dwell in us, in you and in us. That's what He really wants to dwell within us. So always He's had the same thing in mind to be with us. And He always looked forward to the time, God always looked forward to the time when He could be personally with us. Like it says in John chapter 14, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him. He's with you. And later, this is before Jesus went to the cross, later will be in you. The Holy Spirit in us. That's what happens when a person opens their heart to God, that He comes in and He dwells in us. That's why He said, you know, why the Apostle Paul said, you are the temple or the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. He wants to dwell inside each one of us. So worship implies proximity, getting close to God. He wants to get close to you and close to me. And, and you know, you can't be a worshiper from a distance, you know. You know, now they did it. They did it in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, particularly. There are many references there where it says that the people, God came down, and it was an awe, awe-inspiring thing. He came down on top of this big mountain, and uh, like there was uh, thunder and lightning and smoke and a great long trumpet blast, and and it says that they stood at a distance and they watched, and they they were freaked out, and they said, you know, they said to Moses, you know, Moses, you talk to God and then come and tell us what He said, but. We, we don't want to get too close to God. That's how it was in the Old Testament. But that's not what God is looking for. He wants to be right in and amongst us. He wants to be with us. It implies proximity. True worship, the kind God is out looking for, as it says in John chapter 4, engages your spirit in the pursuit of truth. It's where we are open and honest and, and we know that God sees in our heart. Anyway, that's the thing. It's the kind of worship that says, search me, O God, and, and know my heart. You know, know my heart. 
Second thing I want to share, apart from the fact God is building something, is that he said in 1 Peter that, that Jesus was the chief cornerstone or the, the cornerstone of what he's building. You know, in ancient buildings, we don't do it these days very much, but in ancient buildings, uh, they would often, not always, but often set up a cornerstone when they were doing the foundations. They would have the foundations in place and one, one stone in particular was the cornerstone and uh, everything else was measured from there. Uh, it set the boundaries and the limitations of the building. Uh, it was part of the foundations, but it came up out of the ground. I've seen some pictures of this in ancient buildings and um, uh, everything else w- was built around that and was, was measured from that. It became the, the most prominent part of the building. It was really quite significant. It, 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 uh, it gave the alignment of everything. And the cornerstone was always laid first. And so that's what God is saying, that Jesus has to be the central factor, the central person of all that we do, and especially our worship. It has to be about Jesus. You know, worship is not about, I know when we, we come together and we sing, and, you know, uh, I just love that word that you brought, Jeff. God bless you, Kyle. You know, but our worship is not about personal breakthrough. It's not just about healing. It can't be about me getting something that I need necessarily or miracles or restoration. Worship, our worship has to ultimately be about Jesus. Now, there can be lots of spin-off things. You know, it can be wonderful. It can be a wonderful experience for you, but it has to be about Jesus because he is the chief cornerstone so why are you know why are so many of our songs about God's love and God's goodness because that's what God is about let's read it from Ephesians chapter 5 it says mostly I love this in the message translation mostly what God does is love you keep company with him and learn a life of love observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself. Love like that. So friends, when we come together, we are celebrating God's goodness. We are celebrating his love. We're celebrating everything about him, everything that Jesus has accomplished for us. That's what we do. Jesus is the cornerstone of all that we are and all that we do. And that's why it's one of our values. You can see it on our website if you want to have a look there. So number three, so God is building something. Jesus is the cornerstone of what He's building. Number three, we're a part of the building. We're a part of what God is building. Now, I want to give a little disclaimer here right at the start of this. Um, but what I'm about to say in a moment, don't try and work it out in your head and figure it all out and, and put it, nail it all down. I, like, I, I actually like to do drawings. I'm a bit of an engineering kind of person. I like to draw things out so I can understand that this joins to that and that's connected to that and this makes that work and all this sort of stuff and tick the boxes. What I'm about to tell you doesn't work like that. In fact, there's a word from God for you this morning and it says, don't bother trying to understand what I'm about to tell you because some things about God are not meant to be understood. They're meant to be entered into and experienced Like it says in Ephesians, it says that you might know and experience the love of God that surpasses understanding. It's not about understanding it. 
You know, we think we have to understand God so that we can really accept Him. No, 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 you don't. You just need to receive and accept Him. Some very smart people in the world think they can't become a Christian because there's certain things they don't understand. Just let that all go. And this is what I want to share with you this morning. Because I'm going to go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. What's more... You are His holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer up spiritual sacrifices that please God. So we are the temple that God is building. You're also the priests of the temple. And not only that, but you offer up uh, worship to God and He comes to live in your worship. Now you can't draw that on a piece of paper and say this is joined to that. It doesn't work. What you've just got to do is accept it and enter into what God wants to do in your heart. That's what this is about. This is about God doing something in your heart. We are the temple, we're the priests of the temple, and God lives in our praises. So, number one, we are living stones God is building into His spiritual temple. So you, that's you and me. Think about, we don't build many buildings out of stone here in our where we live right now, but we use bricks. Bricks are common. Think about bricks, you know. So God is building, think of a, of a brick right now. Now, in a building, those of you that have done a bit of building, maybe any bricklayers here? Is there any brick? If, if you're a bricklayer, you know, uh, you think of a brick. There's a lot of permanence in a brick. A brick's a pretty permanent thing, isn't it? It's not the smartest thing in the building. <laughs> Bricks don't seem to be very smart, but they add something to the building that's really important, really significant. A brick can withstand anything, anything that's thrown at it. What, all it's got to do is just stay there and not move. And it's an incredibly powerful, significant part of the building. So God wants you to be, and I to be strong and able to withstand the elements because He's building us individually. God is at work. And I love that in Philippians chapter 2. It says that God is at work within you doing what, what, to build you up and establish you according to His good pleasure. He's building us individually, healing, restoring, and strengthening us. And, but not only that, He's building us together. You're living stones God is building into His temple. So that means that, you know, so let, you know I've just become a Christian and, I, and you know, I've, I've found myself, I'm being built into this building. I'm, I'm sitting here on my brick. All of a sudden, there's another brick beside me and another brick. And pretty soon, there's all bricks all around me. And, you know, this is really amazing. I'm, I'm part of this big thing that God is doing. And, and uh, it's really great. There's, a, there's, a, there's support. There's encouragement. All these other bricks all around me. It's wonderful. Until it isn't. <laughs> then, I don't think I like that brick over there. It's got pretty sharp edges. And would you look at the color of it? It's just completely lacking in style. You don't have to like all the other bricks. God just says, actually, He says you've got to love them. <laughs> because God is building, building something that he understands and it's for his glory and for his uh, purposes. And so maybe God is wanting to change something about you in putting you next to those other bricks that maybe don't work for your style. What about that extra grace required person that's in your life 
that really is a bit of a struggle for you. You know what? It's quite likely that God put them there for their healing. And He also put them there for, your, for you to grow in grace and for you to grow in understanding as well. He puts, and I love this, in, in Corinthian. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he said, You know what? God puts every member of the body where it pleases Him. So we'd like to get, sometimes we'd like to get rid of some people that, that just we don't like. But God says He puts every member of the body where it pleases Him. Okay, number two, we are, not only is God building us as spiritual, as living stones into His temple, but we're also His holy priests. And that's a significant word, the word holy there. You know, we talk quite a lot about being righteous, don't we? And, and, and righteous means... I'm, I'm right with God. You know, it means like it's, it's a legal term, which means that I have right standing before God. And, you know, in a court case, I've been declared not guilty because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And Jeff, you spoke about that this morning a little bit. But, um, you know, righteous is what only God can do. You can't make yourself right with God. Only He can make you righteous. But holy is what you can do. And only you can do. Because the word holy, it's a different word altogether. It means to be separated. It means that there are things I'm going to do and things I'm not going to do. It means, there are, it means I'm separated from certain things. Separated for a special purpose unto God. So there's righteous that God, only God can do and holy that only I can do. And so that's why it says, you know, when God says, you know, you are his holy priest, that's a faith statement. God is saying, I've called you, I've made you righteous, and I'm calling you to be holy. And when we come into God's presence, you know, that's really important. I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And if you read that chapter, that, that chapter there, it's talking about sexual sin, actually, in that, in that passage there. So we ought to recognize that God is, is, uh, is at work in us, but He wants us to be holy and separated from certain things, certain actions and behaviors. You know, when I come into God's presence, if I'm going to come into the, into the presence of God, He already knows what's going on in my life. God already knows where I'm at. He already knows what things are going on in my world. And He's saying to us, I want you. you know, but here's the thing. Sometimes we don't know until we come into the presence of God what we need to change, what we need to repent from, what we need to change in our life until we come into the presence of a holy God and we realize we see ourselves in, in, in much greater clarity in the presence of God when we come into the into worship the living God. Thirdly, he's called us to offer spiritual sacrifices that please him. What does that what does that look like? Um, wor worship can be defined in by many different things, you know Firstly, a word that comes up is the word serving. Like in the Bible, serving and worship very often go together. And uh, one day the devil came to tempt Jesus. And uh, he, he said to Jesus, if you will just bow down, 
and worship me. All the kingdoms of the world I'll give you if you just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to the devil, get lost. Because God says, worship the Lord, serve the Lord your God and worship only him. Or worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil didn't want to say it, but worship always leads to service, serving. He really wanted Jesus to serve him. And he didn't say, he didn't include the word serve in there, but Jesus did. He said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So worship and serve often go together in the Bible. Surrender and submission are other words that we could use. In the Old Testament, um, the word translated worship literally means to bow self down. That's what it means, to, to bow yourself down before God. And so... It's about surrendering to God and submitting to Him, submitting to Him. Another word that goes with worship is giving, you know, the response of, of a grateful heart to God. In 1, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, it says, uh, verse 29, it says, uh, um, you know, uh, come before God and, and uh, it says, worship the Lord, ascribe to the Lord the glory due to His name, bring an offering and come before Him, worship the Lord in, in the beauty of His holiness. So, you know, worship and giving together. And you see that also quite a lot through the Bible. Uh, and, you know, just, just bringing a sacrifice of praise from, from Hebrews chapter 13. It says, you know, through, through Jesus then, let us bring the sacrifice of praise. Well, well we, you know, we, we try to spend, you know, time praising God and worshiping Him with our, with our, with our voice. It can be, that can be in words or it can be singing. Uh, you know, singing is, is great. It's wonderful. Why do we sing in church? Why, why do we sing so much? Other religions don't sing hardly at all. Or not at all, really. It's only Christianity. Why do we sing? Well, firstly, Christianity not, doesn't qualify to be called a religion. You know, it's, it's, it's a relationship with a supernatural God. But, but uh, I tell you why we sing, folks. Because God sings himself. God is a singer. And in Zephaniah chapter 3, it says, The Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With His love, He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. God is a singer. He loves music. He loves singing. Not only that, He is a songwriter. And a music creator. And in Psalm 40, verse 3, it says, The Lord has put a new song in my mouth. Many will see it and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So, you know, God, He does that. Where, where do those songs come from? From God. He created them. God is a songwriter, an originator, creator. So our, song, our singing, our songs can be quiet and reflective. They can be loud and enthusiastic. You know, they can be whatever they need to be at the time in, in the moment. And, and uh, you know, we, we do our best when we're singing and, and we, we appreciate the um, incredible creative, you know, team and, and worship team that we have the, and their attention to detail and their skill. We, we appreciate that. But I, I want you to know for all the rest of us out here, that, you know, God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for connection. 
with us when we, when we worship. So, you know, if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're saying to me this morning, oh, I can't sing, I, I can't sing in tune. Or, or maybe you are saying, yeah, I can sing in tune. And the person next to you is saying, they can't sing in tune. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's talking about you right now. It doesn't matter. What God is looking for is connection. I, I'm think, I was thinking about this. It's a bit more like karaoke, you know, where, where it doesn't have to be perfect, but people appreciate it nevertheless, you know. Uh, so God, and I think God enters into our worship because He loves it and He wants to be there. He wants to be with us. And it's not just singing. It's all those other things I mentioned as well. Can I ask our creative team to come back up to the stage, please? It, it, it's also, it might be something as, as simple as like sitting at the feet of Jesus like Mary. Mary's sister Martha was busy getting a, an elaborate meal together, she thought she was hosting Jesus and the disciples. But actually Mary, who sat at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus said, she's chosen the good part that will not be taken away from her. Actually, it was Mary that was hosting Jesus. So I want to just encourage you this morning, friends, to be open with God when you come to worship. That's the main point, I guess, of this message, to be open and know that God is doing something. He's building something into your life and just allow, him, allow His work to be, continue on in you. And whatever, whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now, let, let Him do something in your heart. Maybe He's speaking to you right now. Maybe saying to you, I, I want to come and I want to dwell with you. I want to know you more closely. But there's a blockage that you need to deal with in your life right now. You need to come to me and let me deal with that thing that I, I want to take away right now. Maybe you need to make a decision just to abandon your heart to God and, and let go of the fear of what others will think of you. I, I remember that clearly the time when I did that as about a 17-year-old in church. When I did that, I decided to not worry about what anyone else thought of me when I was worshiping God and, and uh, how God met me in that moment. And uh, so we're just going to sing this. Can we all stand for a moment? We're going to sing a couple of little simple little songs, little worship songs. And can I just encourage you this morning just to open up your heart to God and let Him come and fill you with Himself. You are worthy of it all. Just the chorus. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you.